Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. If you will open up your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 7, beginning at verse 20. Mark, chapter 7, and verse 20. And he says, And he said, That which cometh out of the man that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these things, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. All of these things come from within. And if you'll go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Everybody say humble. I want to preach on this topic tonight and teach on this faith over pride faith over pride. Would you put down your Bibles, but begin to worship the Lord right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, God. We thank you for your word, God. We know it's only by your word that we can survive these days, Lord. We know that it's only by your word that we know what to do and have a blueprint to our life. And so, God, I pray that this word would not fall on deaf ears tonight, but God, I pray that it would fall on good ground and let it be a good seed to all tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the hearing of the word. I want to ask you, when you hear the word pride, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Is it a story? Is it a specific person? Now, don't point them out if they're here. Perhaps you can hear this word and you begin to think of a certain group of people that have adopted this word as their motto. Pride is all around us in today's world. Amen. Pride can show itself in many different ways. Oxford Dictionary defines the word pride as a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction, satisfaction, sorry, derived from one's own achievements, the achievements of those with whom one is closely associated or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. Now that we've defined the word, what do you think pride does to the body? 
the human body. How can a simple act of pride do anything to our natural bodies? But I've come to tell you, pride might be an internal thing, but it can uh, hurt our external bodies. Pride is an interesting topic, and it's interesting on the fact that it ranges so far. On the one hand, you can have someone who is dealing with pride, and they think they're just the greatest thing since sliced bread. They're just all that in a bag of chips, as my mom would say. They believe that the world revolves around them. And on the other hand, you have those who deal with pride, or in fact, the, it seems the lack of pride. They're the ones who are always down in the dumps. Everything's wrong. Everything's bad. It's all sad and gloomy. No one likes me. No one wants to hang out with me. Does anybody know a couple Eeyores in their life? Just a couple people that you know. This is an effect from pride. We tend to always attack and shed light on the one side of pride. You know, the egotistical, the arrogant side of pride that's easy to point out. But there is a side of pride that doesn't announce itself as the other side does. There is a hidden side of pride, and that is called false humility. False humility. But pride affects two major ways of life for human beings, and that is communication and connection. Someone who is dealing with pride will deal with these two things, and that is communication and connection. So how can pride negatively impact our communication? Well, pride in any sense will always impact the way you talk to people. If you're dealing with pride, it's going to impact the way you talk to them or, or even listen to people. Has anyone ever talked to someone who's just so full of themselves that you cannot stand it? Let's be honest tonight. I, I know a couple people like that. What did that make you feel like? Can you remember what it was like to just sit there and listen to every accomplishment they ever did? It's great. You just sit there and listen. And it seems like, you know, even if they've not lived a very long time, the list just keeps going and going and going. They just never cease to have things come up on their list. When this happens, there is a disconnect. Kind of makes you mad and a little angry because you just had to waste your time listening to all those people talk about all their great accomplishments. But for the sake of this lesson, we're going to refer to those sides of pride as high pride and low pride. For the high and mighty proud and the down and the dumpers. But when you talk to the highly proud person, they will always make the conversation about themselves. They've always done something better. They've done something cooler. They've, maybe they haven't or they'll just sound cool. You know, they're just trying to brag and make themselves look cool. Just as the opposite for the low proud or the lowly proud, every conversation they have is always negative. Everything's against them. Everybody's against them. Every single thing is bad. It's wrong. It's unfixable. We like to talk to these people as neggy Nellies. But what we must realize is if we're dealing with pride in any sense, we will come off as one of these two people. And because of that, because we can no longer have any good form of communication, we can no longer have any real connection to anybody, pride is something that plagues leadership so heavily, and it's plagued the church as well. The principles of leadership are based off of these two major keys, and that is communication and connection. If we want to be leaders in our community, leaders on our job sites, leaders in our family, we can't have pride in our lives because we won't have good communication and we won't have good connection. The King Saul demonstrates the epitome of pride when the children of Israel insisted that they receive a king just to be like every other nation around them. God gave the people what they wanted in a king in 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 7. 
And the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee. Samuel, they've not rejected you, but they've rejected me, that I should not reign over them. They had made their decision that they knew better than to have the almighty creator be the one to reign over them. The people thought they knew better. They could see all the other nations around them. They could see the other kingdoms around them. And they thought, well, I don't want God reigning over me anymore. I would much rather have a man reign over me. God was not enough for them so that they wanted creation, not the creator. But look at how Saul starts his conversation with the prophet Samuel when his kingship is mentioned in chapter 9 and verse 21. Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore, then speakest thou so to me? Samuel, don't you know I am of the smallest tribe and I'm of the smallest family of the smallest tribe and I'm the smallest dude in the smallest family in the smallest tribe? Saul's response to calling was humility. I'm not fit for it. I'm not ready for it. I don't know if this is truly me. Is it truly me, Samuel, to be king? I'm not sure about it. But in the 14th chapter of 1 Samuel, we find that Saul has been reigning as king for, of Israel for over two years now. So this is two years into his kingship. The chapter opens with the famous story of his son Jonathan and his armor bearer climbing up the mountain to fight the Philistines. Anybody remember that story of Jonathan saying, come up, let us go up and fight the Philistines. And while the two were fighting alone, Saul sits and waits underneath a pomegranate tree. That's real kingship, amen? But look at what happens in verse 35 of chapter 14. And Saul built an altar unto the Lord, and the same was the first altar that he built unto the Lord. Now, wait a minute. This man had been serving as a child of God under the tribe of Benjamin, which is of the lineage of Jacob and Isaac and father Abraham. He would have known the importance of the altar. He would have heard the stories of Abraham's obedience with Isaac and, and, and the altar. And he would have heard of the Bethel story in Jacob in the wilderness. But now it looks like it's taking Saul two years to build an altar before God. Two years into his kingship and he's just now building his first altar. I believe this was because Saul was working and did continue to work in pride. Pride will make you believe that the last thing you need is God. See, for two years, Saul believed that he alone could reign as king and didn't need God. That's why he never built an altar. But Saul was operating in pride because he was leaning on his own abilities rather than God that put him in the place of king in the first place. And the very next thing we see happen to Saul is the story when the prophet Samuel told him to go and kill the Amalekites. And he said, I want you to utterly destroy the Amalekites. I don't want you to leave anything. No man, no woman, no child, no donkey, no, no sheep, no oxen, anything. But look at what happens in verse 9 of chapter 15. But Saul and the people spared Agag. And the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and of the lambs and all that was good. And would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refused, that they utterly destroyed. One thing that pride will always do, pride will always say, I know better than God. God told me to utterly destroy them, but I know better. 
Pride knows that it's easy to kill what's evil. It's easy to kill what's vile because Saul was able to do it. If it looked nasty, he was okay with killing it. Oh, but the sheep and the oxen and all these other things that look good, well, that's a little bit harder to, to kill. It's, it's easy to kill what everyone else can see. I can kill the wickedness that shows on the outside of me because everyone else can see it. But what I deem as good, I will spare. That's when pride starts to seep into your life because when God commands something and we don't obey it, then we are acting in rebellion and not obeying obedience, and that's where pride can step in. We must be weary of what we are willing to spare when God commanded us to utterly destroy it. Yes, this lifestyle I'm living may look harmless, and yes, it seems fine and all seems good, but if God said to get rid of it, it must be destroyed, because if I'm willing to spare what God said to destroy, then pride has entered into my life. 1 Samuel 15 and 10, then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, the famous verse, it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned his back from following me. Pride leads us nowhere but the opposite direction that the Lord is telling us and leading us. What started as a leadership of humility and humbleness before God is now spitting in the face of God and disobeying everything that the Lord had told him to do. He has now come to the point that God had to repent to himself that he ever put Saul in that position. After Samuel pointed out his failure, Saul then went and pushed the blame on his people. He said, well, it was the people that did this. It wasn't me. It was the people to say the save the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs. It wasn't me. And then when Samuel pointed out his failure and when he failed, he tried to twist it that the people forced him to spare Agag and the animals. That's toxic leadership. But let me show you what kind of place pride can put you in. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 28, And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine. That is better than thou. But what blew my mind is after Samuel corrected Saul, he tried telling him, he tried rebuking him, and he tells him this, that God has rent the kingdom from Israel, and he's giving it to a neighbor. This was Saul's response, and this shows you where his heart was. In verse 30, then he said, I have sinned. I get that. I know I've sinned. You've pointed that out, Samuel. Yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of what? My people and before Israel. Saul, these weren't your people to begin with. You may have been put as king over Israel, but they're never your people. They were God's people. They still are God's people. And he said, I know I've sinned, yet I still want you to honor me. He is taking possession of what is not his in the first place. Pride makes you God in your own eyes. If we allow pride in our hearts, then we are allowing ourselves to be separate from those around us. We put ourselves on a pedestal. We put ourselves above those around us. That's what pride does to us. Pride can twist us. What started out as humility and being humble before God, now we're spitting in the face, disobeying God, rebuking the prophet, and then trying to tell the prophet, you still need to honor me in front of my people. I'm trying to save face here. That's what pride can do in the hearts of man. If we allow pride in our hearts, then we are allowing ourselves to be separated from those around us, those we serve, those we are trying to impact, those are who are we are trying to uh, save to this kingdom. 
Another story that stood out to me is the most when we bring up the subject of pride is probably one of the most famous stories of pride in the Bible, and that's the story of Lucifer. Our enemy, who is the one seeking to destroy your soul, that started as a story of pride. Satan, the devil, Beelzebub, whatever you want to call him, started in pride. Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 12 says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle. I've never heard of that one. That one's kind of weird. And gold, the worksmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. He's talking about Lucifer. He's saying precious stones were your covering. He was talking about the morning star Lucifer set up in heaven. He, he then goes on to say that the workmanship of all of these musical instruments were prepared for Lucifer in the day that he was created. You know, a lot of people believe that Lucifer was the one created to be the worship leader in heaven. God anointed Lucifer to be the cherub that was the covering. And the Lord went on to even say that Lucifer was perfect in his ways from the day that he was created in Ezekiel 28 and 15. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created until iniquity was found in thee. All of these great things that God had in store for the morning star in Lucifer. He was to be the worship leader of heaven. Could you imagine leading the angels in heaven in holy worship before God? He was perfect. He was light. He was radiating in beauty. He was gifted with precious stones and a musical anointing. Yet the Bible says he was only perfect until iniquity entered into his life. Well, what was Lucifer's iniquity? How could he have iniquity before sin was on the earth? What was the thing in Lucifer's life that changed everything? The prophet Isaiah tells us this very plainly, just what the reason that Lucifer would now be known as the fallen angel in Isaiah chapter 14. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. The thing about pride is a very interesting, it's a very interesting word. Uh, Sister Shelley, do you mind putting up that next graphic, please? The thing about pride is that when you look at the spelling of pride, what's in the middle? I. The moment that you are the center of your universe, pride is entered into your life. 
The moment when everything revolves around you and what's going on with you and what is going to happen to you and what's going to be done through you, then pride has entered into your life. This is where Lucifer's sin came into bed. I will be ascended. I will be exalted. It's all about me. I will lift myself up to be like the Most High. When we start thinking all about ourselves, pride has entered into our life. Lucifer got caught up in all of his beauty. He got caught up in all the precious stones. Perhaps he started thinking that all of the worship that was intended for God was now supposed to be intended for him. That God needed to start going to give him worship instead of Lucifer doing the worship unto God. Why? Because he started this pride living. It's all about me. It's all about what can be done for me. It's that worship should be done to me. It's all about me. So what is pride? Pride is the existence of sin. Sin doesn't show up until pride has already shown up. Pride is the seed that which sin can root up from. Satan did not just wake up one day ready to rebel against God. He didn't just decide one day, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm ready for people to worship me. No, I believe that this was a mentality that he started to grow. I believe that this was a way of thinking that he started to cultivate within himself. Eve could not have been tempted by Satan unless she already had a sense that what she was doing was right. Satan, you can talk all the day long, but the moment Eve started to think about the fruit that was forbidden... It was all okay until that moment she started to think. And to add to that, when Eve ate of the fruit of the Garden of Eden, she thought she was doing something that was owed to her. Don't I deserve to be like God, knowing the difference of good and evil? She thought that she was deserving of all the knowledge and of all wisdom. Much like King Saul, she thought she deserved the honor, yet even though she failed. What this shows us is that before Eve allowed herself to be tempted by Satan, she first had to have, to have pride to think that she deserved to eat of the fruit. That's where the problem was. You see, sin can be stopped immediately before the act of sin is done. But the temptation of sin doesn't show up unless there's an inkling of pride already there. If Eve had enough Holy Ghost, she could have said, no, Satan, I'm not going to take of that fruit because I know what God has said and God's commanded me not to do that. But Satan knew where to go. He knew to go to the mind and to the heart. That is exactly the problem with pride. This is why pride is such an issue today. Pride is simply the gateway to sin. Pride can exist without sin. There can be pride in your heart where sin is not in. A parent can be proud of their child doing well and getting a good grade in school. Giving yourself recognition for accomplishing something difficult can be a good form of pride. Pride can exist without sin, but sin cannot exist without pride. Pride is a gateway to sin. It is a propeller towards sin. It pushes us towards sin. When we have that unholy pride within us and everything revolves around us, then it pushes us towards sin. Proverbs 16 and 5 says, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. 
Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. It later says in verse 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. I find it so interesting that that certain group chooses that word to define them because that's exactly what they've done. They've made themselves the center of everything. It's all about me. You have to accept me. You have to confirm me. What have they done? They have put themselves right in the middle of their universe, and that's when pride is entered into their hearts. It's not about being pride in who you are. It's about being proud in the sin that which they live in. Anytime we see prideful mention in the book of Proverbs, it is likened to the fool. Anytime you see the word mentioned that the prideful, you hear it about the pride, it is likened to the fool. If I can turn your attention in Genesis, if you remember the, the Tower of Babel being constructed, what did they say? It says in verse 3, and they said one to another, go to, let us make brick. And then it goes to verse 4. They said, go, let us build a city and a tower to reach the heaven. Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered. It wasn't about glorifying God. It wasn't about getting closer to God. It was about what can be done for us. What can be done in my name? What can be done through me? You see, when it's all about you, church, it's about pride. It's about sin. When it's all about us and not about him, pride is entered into our lives and sin will shortly follow. So how can we overcome pride? How can someone get over the pride in their life? 1 Peter 5 and 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. What does that say? If you are doing something in the kingdom, God will show it for you. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to show yourself. You don't have to have that ungodly pride inside of you. If you're doing your kingdom tasks, God will exalt you in due time. Jesus even tells us, in Matthew chapter 16, then said Jesus to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. What's he saying? Humble yourselves and take up his cross and follow me. What do you think this means? What do these two scriptures have in common? The only and best way we can combat pride in our lives is to humble ourselves. How do we do that? How can we humble ourselves? And what are some things we can do? When pride knocks at your door, the only way you should answer it is by opening the door with prayer. Prayer is the only way we can battle an internal pride. Pride is an internal battle that we are waging inside of ourselves. Prayer is the only thing thing that could get it out of us. Pride is that internal battle, but prayer works from the inside out. Humbling yourselves is going above and beyond for something beside yourself and seeking no gratification for it. It's serving in your church. The greatest story of a leader that was humble was in Jesus Christ because the Bible says he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. Jesus gave his life a ransom for many. He could have came as, he, he did come as king of kings, but he could have came sitting on a throne, eating bonbons, making the world serve him in every facet. But what did he do? He came lying in a manger, and 33 years later, he laid his life down. I'll tell you, there wasn't an ounce of pride, of sinful pride in Jesus, but he was willing to give up himself. He was willing to say, I'm willing to give it all for you. You see, the prideful would say, someone else has to 
die for me, but our Savior said, I'm willing to die for everyone else. When it was all on me, he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to die for me, but he was so humble. He was filled with humility, and he was filled with divinity that he was willing to give of himself for you and me, even though we didn't deserve it. That's the kind of leader that we should strive to be within ourselves. The Apostle Paul knew this so well in John 3 and verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. What does that mean? What does that mean? If I want more of God in my life, the only way I can have more of God in my life is by making room and making less of me. I believe that the modern world has become so self-indulge. It's all about self. What can be done for us? How fast can it be done for us? We have made ourselves kings over ourselves when there's only one king over all of us. We need to take ourselves out of that throne. We need to take ourselves out of that kingly robe and place God back into the center of our lives. He must increase, but I must decrease. That's true humility. There's no place for pride in heaven. The only time pride was in heaven, it was struck down like lightning. If we want to make it onto the other side of glory, I don't know about you, but I would love to make it to heaven. That's my life goal. That's what I'm living for. But if I'm going to make it over there, I can't have pride in here. Paul is saying that in that verse, if I want God to move in my life, I have to humble myself lower, lest pride creep into my heart and into my mind. If I want more of him, there's got to be less of me. And why does that hurt so much? It's because we're self-centered human beings. That's who we are. That's what happened to Saul. It's what happened to Lucifer. It's what happened to Eve. They made themselves kings over themselves, and that's where they sinned, and that's where they fell short. But if we want more of God, we need to take ourselves off of the thrones of our lives and put God back in the center of it all. We need to take ourselves out of the centers of our universe and put God back in the center because when God is placed at the center of our universe, everything else falls into alignment. If you'll stand with me tonight. We need to be careful where our hearts are tonight. We need to be careful where our minds are. As we live in these last days and we will see evil wax worse and worse, John would write about the the three main categories of all sin. That's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Y'all, the Lord's coming back. I, I saw someone said, when the headlines start looking biblical, you need to perk your ears. We're in the end times. I love what Brother Atkins would say. We're not living in the end days. We're living in the last moments. I don't know when God's coming back. We're not made to know. But I know he's coming back sooner than he was yesterday. No man knows the day nor the hour. That's why we need our hearts right tonight. We need to get our minds right tonight. We will see evil becoming more and more in your face. Pride is going to get worse as the the last days continue. But if you aren't thankful to know how we can fight this deadliest sin of pride, 
I'm thankful for the word of God that, that can shed some light in my life. You see, we love facing against the sins of, of, of adultery. and We love facing the sins of homosexuality. We love facing those things because it's easy. But when it's something that pride comes into our hearts, that's when it starts to hurt. Because then it's internal. These altars are open if you would like to make your way this is what I'd like for us to do tonight. I want us to lift up our hands and lift up our hearts before God. And I want God to put his searchlight on every heart and every mind. I want us to pray, God, make me right in your eyes. I don't know when he's coming back. I don't know when, when he's returning. But I know it can happen at any moment. It will happen in the twinkling of an eye. It can happen right now. But where's your heart at? Is it filled with pride? Is it filled with, with evil lusts of yourself? Are, are you the center of your universe? Have you been the center of everything? I don't want pride being the thing that makes God repent over me. I don't want to get to the doorstep of heaven and pride being the thing that makes me not enter. Come on, lift your hands and your voices all across this house. God, search me, Lord. Search every facet of my heart and my mind. I don't want pride to be anywhere near me, Lord. I want to be more like you, Jesus. I want to be a servant like you were. God, I don't want to be on the throne of my life. I want to place you back as King of kings and Lord of lords in my life, Lord. You are the true ruler. You are the true king. So if there be any pride in my life, Lord, I pray you take it away. God, wash me, Lord. I repent of my ways. Forgive me when I place myself at the center of the universe, Lord. Forgive me, God. Wash me clean. Come on, church. Begin to pray that. Just pray, Lord. Take every ounce of pride away from me. I must decrease so that you can increase, Lord. Lord, take it out of me, Lord. Every pride, every proud thought, every, every proud heart that is in this house, Lord, I pray that you would cleanse it, Lord, and make us new tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the MPC Podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.